0: Happy Monday. My book blast continues for Memoir Monday. This is part two of the memoirs I've been releasing as part of the book blast because I love memoirs and of course other books, but I really love memoirs. Anyway, enjoy this collection of diverse voices, thoughts, feelings, topics, and everything on this Memoir Monday. And you can go back a few days and listen to part one of the memoirs I'm releasing as the book blast. Enjoy. And I hope you connect and really enjoy them like I did. Leila Taraf is the author of Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and Life. Layla is a senior human resource executive with over 25 years of professional experience. After graduating with her MBA from the Haas School of Business at the University of California at Berkeley, she became one of the founding team members at Walmart.com. She then served as chief people officer at Pete's Coffee and Tea, an iconic Bay Area premium coffee company. Currently, Layla is the chief people officer at Allbirds, focused on leading through a global pandemic and broad social unrest. She's a trusted advisor to entrepreneurs and investors and is a regular guest lecturer at Berkeley Law School. Welcome, Layla. Thanks so much for coming on Moms in a Time to Read Books to talk about Strong Like Water, how I found the courage to lead with love in business and in life. I'm so happy to
1: be here, Zippy, truly.
0: Aww. Would you mind telling listeners a little bit about what your book is about and what inspired you to write this memoir? sure absolutely
1: strong like water has been described as a leadership book disguised as a memoir <laughs> it really doesn't fall into one genre clearly cleanly it's it's my personal story it covers a period of time when I lost my husband and then my father and my mother in pretty quick succession. And at the time I had a young daughter, she was three, and I was in my first year of my first real executive role as the uh, chief people officer of Pete's Coffee and Tea. So it was the first time anything like That big had happened to me, and up until that point in my life, I really kind of held myself as it's fine, it's fine, I've got it, you know, really capable. I call it my hero persona, and it was a moment where I could no longer hold myself in that way. And honestly, I might have tried had I not had a three year old that was crying and needing comfort and I was feeling so inadequate because I had suppressed my emotions my whole life and finally I said you know what if I don't allow myself to feel now I just knew that I would become hard and brittle and unable to guide my daughter through the kind of healthy grieving and healing that I wanted her to do and I couldn't expect it from her if I didn't do it myself. And so that the story is really of that journey and how, as I went through that journey, I discovered that actually feeling my feelings didn't kill me, didn't weaken me, actually made me stronger and a better mother, a better friend, a better leader. And so what was soft actually turned out to be strong. So that's, that's the story.
0: (laughs) Would you mind explaining what happened with
1: the losses? Sure, sure. My husband died of an accidental overdose. It was very tragic and very sudden, partially because I think I was living this life of not refusing to look at some very big signs that were out there, that there were problems. But again, my coping mechanism was deny, distract, deflect, keep it happy, stay above it, and that was obviously very traumatizing. And then my father had a stroke in his late 60s and, short, and died shortly thereafter. And then same thing with my mother. And with each successive death, and I know, you know, for a long time, I didn't know how to tell this story because everybody experiences loss, right? For me, those losses end up being, ended up being the catalyst for me to recognize that I had numbed myself out to life. And maybe one wouldn't have brought me to this realization, but all three and realizing that I had to get real, be authentic, allow myself to be vulnerable, be present. And that's when I really got to experience life, the bad, but also the good. I realized I had cut off the highs in addition to the lows by keeping myself protected. Well, I'm so sorry that
0: you had to live through this, but the fact that you not only did got so many unintended almost benefits from it not to put it like so crudely yeah. but then you could share it with the rest of us that's like a true gift so thank you for that <laughs> and i feel like from the very start of your story i was relating to you in so many ways i mean i had i and then i was like should i even admit this when i talked to her but i had the same thing happen at one of my first jobs after college where I was kind of like rolling my eyes and being like, what on earth? Like, come on, speed this meeting up. Like, why is it taking this other woman so long to like articulate two or three points? Like, let's move on with it. Like, I could have been doing so much in this time. And then someone had to take me aside and be like, you were kind of rolling your eyes. And I was like, I was? Like, I thought that I felt yeah. that. But I'm oh, my dog is like shaking in the back. But I guess, I guess I showed it. And you had
1: that same experience. Tell me about that. I did. I did. It's, it's amazing how this one moment 20 years ago sticks in my mind and really got me thinking. I was one of the early employees at Walmart.com. There were like 20 of us sitting around the table, and we were, you know, starting to build the company. And the CEO at the time, her name was Jean Jackson, and she was, you know, a really experienced executive. She was CEO from Banana Republic. She was an executive at Disney. And, you know, it's one of these meetings where they just kind of go on and on. And, you know, I was pretty fresh out of business school and I was just dying to add value. (laughs) And and the meeting went on and on. and, And I and I was bored and I had a lot of work to do. And I thought I was doing a good job hiding my 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 boredom and my irritation. And I was not. And as the meeting came to a close, Jean looked at me and everyone was a little scared of her because she, she definitely let you have it. If she didn't think you were doing the right thing. And she just looked at me, she I, like wagged her finger at me, like come over. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like, and I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I do? I, I, I knew something was, was not right. And I walked into her office and she said, if I ever see you eye rolling like that again, there will be health to pay. That was so disrespectful. And she kind of went off on me. And, and, and I, and I think she could tell that I was clueless. Like I didn't know what she was talking about. And finally, as, as she sort of opened the door to have believed, she said, the point of those meetings is not to, you know, add value, but to bring others along. I'm like, what bring others along? What does that even mean? Right. Like, And, and, and I actually heard that lesson a few times. Right. And, I think this is what happens for anyone who you know, you you go through school and you want to get the A, you want to get the gold star, you want to please your parents and your teachers, right? And that's how we, we become these little overachievers, right? And 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 that serves us well for a really long time. There's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, as you get into more, more complex roles, more senior roles where you have to lead others, you have to let go of this idea that you only create value by you actually producing something. It's really, in the end, it becomes about the others that you're leading, right? And that means removing obstacles for them. That means mentoring. That means coaching, having the hard conversation. So it, it very much is not about you <laughs> and all about them. And that journey, sort of from what I say, from we, from me to we is one I think that many of us who, who sort of climb the management ranks go through. And at first, it's a tough one, right? Because Because you want to do it—that's what you were taught to do. So that was the first time I got my hand slapped, and it—you know—probably took another ten years for me to really understand that my value was not in the doing, but in the enabling of others.
0: Wow, those are good lessons. Even now, (laughs) I feel like (laughs)
1: it's good for parenting too, right? How many times do we want to do it for our kids? I'm like, okay, go ahead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Seriously, I know. Cuz I'm I think the thing that trips me up sometimes is like I I can do everything really quickly. You know, like at work, like after school and like all of that training and whatever, like I would get to work and like my work for the day, I could do in like <laughs> like an hour or something. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do the rest of the day? You know, like, let's, let's go. Like like what now? And the same thing at times with the kids, I get so like, like, I'm like, Oh, let me just do it. And it's the worst. It's, it's the worst. And I, I, it's like, I have to fight against it anyway.
1: (laughs) It's so true. Isn't it right? I could have been done with this 10 minutes ago. But once again, that's not the point. It's about enabling them. And my daughter is 16 now, so I can really see that, right? Where if, if you know, I and I and I manage a lot of really young people now, and you can see for 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 young people whose parents have done everything for them, they're ill-equipped to come out into the world because they're used to someone diving in, you know, the helicopter parent and taking care of things for you. So we don't really serve our employees or our children by doing that for them. That's what I try to remind myself every time I'm. <laughs> (laughs) I'm like, okay, now I won't, I won't do it myself. (laughs) Yes,
0: exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, even the way you handled your transition from Walmart to Pete's and the way you talked about like discovering this like passion that everybody has for coffee and the way, <laughs> even that you interviewed, right. And the questions that you answered and that scene you have in the coffee shop where you went to the wrong place, which is like, oh, so, so something I would have done. You're like anyway, <laughs> you end up at the store with the CEO and trying to answer all these questions and being surprised. And you land this huge job. Take me back just for a minute to like the beginning of that. And like realizing that like now you had to do that job. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so true. I felt like such an imposter. I really was so lucky that the CEO at Walmart gave me the chance to do the HR role. I'd never done it, and then I had this interview, and I, I actually didn't know a lot of what the answers were. But I, you know, I could think through them, and I had, you know, pretty good judgment. And in the end, I landed this job where I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to have to do this? And I don't think I wrote this in the book, but I, honest, even after the job was offered to me, I tried to turn it down for a few weeks. And the CEO was like, "Oh no, you don't!" And he like he had a hold of me, and he's like, "Explain to me why you don't." I mean, I was so scared; I thought I've gotten myself in over my head. And again, so lucky that he saw something in me and you know supported me. And I, I think I what I learned there was, okay, you just act like you know everything. You've got all the answers. You're super strong and capable. That's how I showed up in that meeting. And I got the job. I'm like, okay, you see, that's how you do it. So a- again, I was getting these, these mixed messages. Whenever I acted like I had it all under control, then you know things would work well in my professional life not so much in my personal life. And so for a long time, I led this sort of separate life, right? So there was like my professional persona and then my personal. And then over time, I realized that well, as we all realize you are, you are one person and I wanted to, to, to knit those pieces together and, and come together. And in order to do that, I had to start to show more of who I really was. And first I had to do that for myself because I had kind of been hiding from all the pieces that, you know, that I, that I didn't, didn't like, I was trying to be perfect and, and strong. And it wasn't until I finally admitted like, okay, I'm not, I'm actually not all those things all the time, just like all of us, that I started to have actually deeper and better conversations uh, with people.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: And then why write the book? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I started to write, like all of us who write, I think I always had this little thing in the back of my head for decades that thought I might want to write something, right? Even if it was just a tiny little voice, right? And I found that I was starting to lose details of what had happened and what I had learned, really important insights, uh, and I thought I should just write these down so I don't forget. And I started to journal, and then as I started to share some of the stories that I was coming up with with friends, more often than not, they they were they would identify with them and say, "Oh yeah." I know what you mean. I do that. Oh, yeah, I can do that. And even now, some of the you know, early reactions I'm getting, I'm I'm stunned by how many people say that they are identifying with my story or and so I I got to a place where I decided to publish because I, I wanted to make sure that two reasons. I wanted to make sure I had something out there that would not allow me to hide anymore. I was so good at hiding my real feelings and hiding from my feelings. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put this, I'd lived in fear for so long. I thought I'm going to just be brave and I'm going to put it out there. And what's interesting is now that I am bringing to light, what usually is hidden, you know, all these sort of broken pieces or flawed pieces, things that that make us sort of ashamed what's happening and it's still early days it's actually the thing that is ending up connecting me to others i still have this moment where like oh my gosh have i really put this out there and i have good friends who have reconnected with me they're like that was really brave like did you like how are you feeling and i do feel exposed i do I still get a little like, oh, are you going to judge me <laughs> for for the bad mistakes and and you know for what I've done in my life that I'm still like, oh gosh, how could I've done that? But the irony is, it's just the opposite. It is, it is tapping into that part in everybody else that also has those feelings, and I'm having the most meaningful, deep, intimate conversations with people I've known for decades that I've never had, and with. People like you, like today. And in the end, isn't that what it's all about? We just want to be seen and loved, but we can't have that unless we show ourselves. And so this is this is my big version of finally showing myself after hiding for 40 years. Yeah. Coming out with a bang here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go
0: big or go home. Exactly, exactly. No, I totally agree. I think that whenever I read people's, you know, most raw, emotional, you know, confessional admissions of the things that they're least proud of. It's the most, I feel connected because we, none of us are perfect. Even the perfectionists among us, right? Deep down, we all are messing up all the time and it's just... It catches up with you in some way, shape, or form. So to know that it's not That's just right. you is is very almost empowering, you know, and com-
1: and comforting.
0: Yeah, on comforting some level, is a don't better word. Think. Yeah, yeah, comforting.
1: And what it also what it just reaffirms to me that while the details of my story are unique to me and personal to me, the journey I've been on and continue to be on of self discovery. That is the universal journey, right? Like understanding ourselves better as we grow and through self-reflection or however we want to do it yoga, doing the work hopefully brings down you know our blind spots, our constructs, our narratives and 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 that is how we show ourselves more, and that is how what connects us. And I love that women are telling their stories now, men are telling stories too, but women are such natural storytellers. and mm-hmm. I feel like. All of us are doing this. And that is what is bringing us together in community and yep. in stronger connection. Kind of it's going with this Me Too movement, cultural norm, norms breaking. Women are less, one of the wonderful things about the young people I'm working with is they're not as afraid. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll put it out there. And I just think that's amazing. Yep. That's what's going to bring us together. It's so true. I mean, I don't know if it was just the
0: introduction of women into the workforce or as people got used to it, but I just felt like, I don't know, even just a decade or two, ago, there was so much rivalry all the time between women. Like, I remember when I first started working... I was like, oh gosh, I hope I, yeah. I mean, I, should, I don't know if I can say this, but I was like, I hope I don't have a woman boss because women bosses are so mean, <laughs> you know? Like yes. the men, yes. they just like asked me what I needed to do and I did it. And if I messed up, they said, oh, you messed that up. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. I'll fix it. But like the women, it was really tough. I mean, not to say I had some really wonderful women bosses as well, but you know, there was that culture almost of like, yes. well, like having to prove yourself by being rude to other women. And now it's all shifted, thank
1: goodness. And probably not everywhere, but. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I've I've experienced the same thing and, you know, uh, and I think, a few reasons for that. I think one is there were fewer women. So the women that were there Mm -hmm. were like, this is my seat. That's true. (laughs) Right. Because there weren't that many seats to go around. (laughs) And I think the women that got to the top, you know, 20 years ago had to do it in a man's way because because that was the form of power. Right. And that's also been my learning, which is I can be strong and powerful, but I can also at the same time be kind and compassionate and empathetic, and it doesn't take away any of my agency. And I think I think leaders are realizing that now men and women, and that is, I think, what is so amazing about this cultural shift that's happening, that we're starting to admit that and understand that. It, it, even with my one of my uh, bosses the other the other day, I have two, two CEOs, we were we were going at it and he said to me, listen, when you say this, that makes me feel bad. And when he said that, I was like, oh my God, no one would have said that 20 years ago. And I thought, you're right, I'm sorry. And it just took us to this other level. So the fact that we're having that honest of conversations at work now, I just think is is awesome. That's amazing. So Layla, what is next for you? You have this book
0: out, what's coming next? Like, what are you excited about? I'm excited about
1: being at Allbirds. Do you know Allbirds? Mm-hmm. The company yes. I work for? Yeah, yeah. okay. We are in this crazy high growth phase. And I think I have another book in me and maybe this next one is more of the how-to. And I haven't quite... Quite gotten the, the the theme down yet, but it's it's going to have it's going to continue to talk about how the answer for so many things is not usually one extreme or the other, right? It's I, I I'm all, I've been fascinated by the duality of life, right? My title Strong Like Water is after the Lao Tzu quote, which really talks about how water is soft but it can be strong. It can carve rock. And I find that to be true in just about everything. You're trying to build a a high performance culture, drive for results, all these like go, go, go. And at the same time, you want to create community and culture and connection and belonging. And a lot of times those feel like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. But I really think what they are is the intersection of two circles. I'm always drawing these two intersections, intersecting circles. And I'm saying that middle part is the sweet spot and you can't make a straight line through it. It's sort of attacking back and forth. And so I think my next book will capture all the ways that we need to tack back and forth between the dualities of how we grow in a healthy and humane way, how we grow without losing our souls. There's so much focus on, you know, getting big and making a lot of money, but then we kind of lose ourselves in the process. So how can we have a little bit of both? Can we have them? I don't know. We'll see. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I feel like all birds are like all the rage, right? You know, it's a good moment. (laughs) You. It it, it is. (laughs) That's awesome. We've had a good run. (laughs) What advice would you have for aspiring authors?
1: Well, I feel like I'm such a new author. I think the, the most important thing is just write. Don't censor yourself. Don't try to get it just right, just perfect. Because, right, what is Brene Brown? She calls it the shitty first draft, right? I say that, SFD. And that's what it is. You just have to, I think I wrote for a whole year until I found my voice and figured out what I wanted to write. And if you're judging yourself and censoring yourself and listening to the inner critic and trying to get it exactly perfect, you'll never write. And so just recognize that the process is in all the messiness and that eventually it will come out and you'll put form and shape and the narrative arc and and all of that. And also to come into community with other authors, because I think writing is can be can be very isolating. Right. It's and and. When you share with other authors, if you're having a down moment, if you're in agony, if you can't figure something else out, it, it, I think it helps to know that you're, you're part of the larger community, and a creative community. So true.
0: Well, well, I'm so glad we connected today. Thanks for your book, letting me relive that part of my my <laughs> life so long you You're know, like, like oh gosh i know i know no and the losses you've gone through and the way you've gotten through them and the way you've shared your story is is really awesome so thank you thank you thank you for taking the time to read the book i'm still amazed that you can do all this I don't know. Hanging by a thread over here, but, (laughs) but you know what? I love it. I just love it. So it's a pleasure like reading. I mean, it's a pleasure to read
1: like how, you know, woe is me. Well, it's interesting. I was listening to one of your other podcasts the other day. I don't remember who it was with, but, and I also say this in my book, the anecdote for stress is not rest. It's wholehearted living. So if you love reading books, then it actually fills you up, right? It's not a chore.
0: Yes. The emails, on the other hand, <laughs> it's, the, it's <laughs> not like, so much. Sometimes. Not so much the emails, but I love these conversations and I love reading books, and so that's all great. It's it's all great. It's just a lot. That's all. So.
1: Yes. Anyway. Yes. Well, you're doing an amazing job and I love, I love what you're building and it helps bring us all together. So thanks, nice John. Well, I hope I get to meet you. Where are you in the world, by the way? Me too. I'm in California, but when this whole thing opens, which it is, I, I would love to come out and meet you in, in New York. Your thing, your retreat that you put out there was gone in like three seconds. I'm like, wait, I didn't even know this was happening. <laughs> it, uh, That's there are a a few, I opened up a
0: new block of rooms. So there are like, oh, you did? there are a couple of rooms left if you want to come. Yeah. They're at the, okay, there's an inn nearby called the Weka Inn and it's owned by the same people. It's really lovely. has adorable rooms and everything. And I I have like three, three or four rooms left. So. I missed that. I'm going to go back and look at All it. All right. It's on ZivyOwens.com and go under the travel thing. Okay. I will. I will. Under under more rooms available. <laughs> I <take> <laughs> All That's right. awesome. Thank you, Zibby. Okay. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to part of my June book blast. I hope you enjoy it. Come back tomorrow for more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.